Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. I am here with the beautiful Miss Krista Tipton. We have been... That's your last name, right? Yeah, that is. Okay. <laughs> you looked at me like, what? <laughs> That's probably the beautiful part, so thank you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, so just want to make sure I didn't mess up already. No. Okay. So we just got done having some dinner, and I'm very excited to be interviewing her because you are so talented. Like, you have just so many things that you have done that you are participating in, that you like you've lived out of the country, lived in Italy. I just found this out, which is amazing to me. And part of the reason why I reached out to you in the first place. So we went to, we got our bachelors together, right? Our master. master? Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever. Our masters, <laughs> all the school years blend together mm-hmm. for me. So we got our masters together and I feel like we kind of just like saw each other here and there, but I saw you a lot of places because you're involved in a lot of different organizations. I saw you on social media. I'm like, man, that Krista is like so cool. Like she is just killing it in the social worker world. I must know her secrets. So here we are. Um, my tip for today is if there is someone that you admire and that you want to be like, get in their circle. Find out what they do and then go and do it. And you will also hopefully be successful. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm still working up to your level of success, but hey, oh my goodness. we all got to make places, you know, start somewhere. That's true. Yeah. And you're killing it too. Good you're job. so sweet. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me today. <laughs> we inspire each other. I think so too. Yeah. Very social worky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and are you an LCSW? No, but I'm just finishing my hours. So I'm just starting to study for the test. Okay. Oh, how's that going? I just started like okay. yesterday. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. Very much at the beginning of that, but at the end of my hours. Okay. So I'm excited to embark on that. Yeah. For the Congratulations. Do you Thank have a you. test date yet? No. Okay. No. I just purchased the materials yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. It's funny because I was opposite. So I did not want to purchase my materials until I had a test date. Because oh. <laughs> I work well with deadlines. Okay. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to set... When I was finally able to muster up the money to do it, I was like, okay, I'm going to set my date. And then four weeks ahead of time, I'm going to buy my materials. Wow. So that way, I like... I was, I was ready. I had to do it. Okay. I get that. I purchased the materials so it would tell me how to study for eight weeks at the very least. Okay. And just like my law and ethics exam, I'll probably have a date, set that date, work toward that date. And then a couple days before it, push it back a week. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did that three times. It worked out very well. Okay. Okay. Because I do work, work well with deadlines. 
but I like to get as close to that deadline as possible. So it was nice to be able to change it a couple times. Yeah. That adrenaline, that motivation. Yes. <laughs> yes, I live for that. If it's due tomorrow, I'll do it today. Yeah. So tell us about you and like, where's your story? I really don't know much about you and and where you come from. Okay. Well, um, I came from the valley. I, that's my valley girl accent. <laughs> the valley of California, that is, because this is a worldwide. That's true. Yeah, it is. Um, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I, um, I had, um, some learning issues when I was in school, but I was also pretty smart. And so I would read a lot. I would sometimes read outside of the classroom instead of going inside the classroom. I, when I was in high school, I was one of those people where they were just like, are you going to go to class, Krista? And I said, you know, oh, I'm not getting along with the teacher right now. I think, okay, are you done planning our volunteer day? Yes. <laughs> so very much like what I was interested in at the time. So my grades were all over the place. And I, I've always been interested in new experiences. So I ended up going to the LA Zoo for high school. There's a zoological magnet up there. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, so I got to go up and study um, in the parking lot of the LA Zoo and take classes where we get to touch animals and and be part of that community and that environmental experience. That is amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I was very interested in the science of it. It was a really small school, and so I had I had some difficulty. By the time I was done with high school, I was done with high school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so I decided I was going to go work for a while, and I tried to take some community college classes. I ended up failing out with a 1.3 okay. GPA. But then after working um, in a couple different industries, I decided to go back to college in my late 20s. And I went back to the same college and left there with a 3.8. Wow, look at you. And then I went to UCI okay. and I studied social behavior. I chose a college that I couldn't get lost on campus because it's a circle. <laughs> That, that was one of my key factors of choosing that, that campus. In, in addition to the fact that they had a social ecology and social behavior degree, which was okay. very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I um, graduated from there. We, I was telling you earlier that I studied abroad mm-hmm. in Italy. Oh, that was a wonderful experience. Yeah. I, but... I lived in Florence for, for four months. Okay. Um, spoke Italian by the time I was done. It wasn't great. But I could speak it. Ciao, I... Bella. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brava. <laughs> so, um, but had wonderful experiences being an older non-traditional student in my late 20s. So I um, sang in a church in Rome. And wow. carol, uh, sang, um, doing caroling uh, around Florence and try to immerse myself in that experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of sums me up as a person. I like to immerse myself in experiences. That's not to say that I'm not terrified of some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I really like to put my all into everything that I do. Which I feel like really speaks to, one, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Because you're scared. But you're saying, okay, well, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be like. But I'm going to go do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And two, that's how we learn best. 
is yes. total immersion experiences because it's very hard to learn as probably maybe what you experience in school is like having 50 minutes every day try to learn a topic it makes it very difficult as opposed to maybe taking all of that time and just doing it in a whole week straight mm -hmm. then you're totally immersed in the material and you can completely absorb it. Mm -hmm. Which is why I like the quarter system. <laughs> that makes so, sense. I, I do like that kind of learning better. I'm a generalist, so I like to know a little to a medium amount of everything. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I bring to often a lot of experiences. And that's why you tended to see me when we did our master's in social work, being part of all these different organizations and popping up in places that you didn't expect to see me. Mm -hmm. And, and that was partially because I'm interested in all of those things that all of those organizations do and wanted to bring my generalist perspective. I, there's a wonderful book called range. I can't okay. remember the author right now, but it's about being a generalist in this world and being able to tie in other disciplines into what you're doing in your discipline. Hmm. So, um, you know, if, if you are someone who knows a lot about biology, then you can bring something to the table when you're talking about um, ecology or an, an environmental issue. Mm -hmm. And then someone else can bring to the table how humans affect that system and understanding social behavior. Mm. And when you get multidisciplinary groups, true multidisciplinary groups, not just what we talk about being a multidisciplinary group as a social worker, which is like a doctor and a social worker, mm -hmm. right? And that's right. DT. But, <laughs> but true multidisciplinary, where you have an economist, you have a behaviorist, you have um, somebody with an MBA, you have all these people coming to the table to create something. Mm -hmm. um, that's when you really get good things in this world. And so we do have very much a need for people who are specialists in things, but we also have to value being a generalist. So social work is a wonderful place for me to do that. Yeah. I was lucky that I had a friend who was a social worker and he said, Christy, you're a social worker. I was like, no, I don't know. I just graduated with my BA with mm -hmm. social behavior. And I was like, I like to do all the things. And I like to do charity. And I don't want to be paid for it. And all of those things that we tell ourselves <laughs> mm -hmm. that we're supposed to think. And fortunately for me, he social worked me and told me, no, you, you really embody all of the things that we want in a social worker. And, and I applied for my MSW program and got in. And I am a social worker, 100% <laughs> through and through. He was right. Mm -hmm. We need social workers in this world to tell people <laughs> that, you know, that they belong as social workers. Um, I have a profession, but I can do a lot of different things in this profession. And I'm so grateful for that. Whereas before I was kind of lost. I, because I was a generalist, I, I could do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Great on teams. Uh, participate in a lot but when it came time to actually what my uh, looking at what my value was and what my jobs would be it was all over the place mm -hmm. so now I have a profession and no matter what I have my ethics and I have my ability to advocate and all the years of therapy that came from our social work program right mm, yes <laughs> as we're learning to help other people we're learning to help ourselves and so I get to take all of that and then still be a generalist and focus on all the different ways I can help in this world. So uh, 
I really like books that help me acknowledge that, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier, I'm reading Girl Stop Apologizing by yeah. Rachel Hollis right now. But before that, I read the book When by Daniel Pink to tell me all about my energy management. And maybe I should be doing this type of work in the morning, this type mm. of work in the evening. So just taking from every other expert, um, whether it's in book form or I drive around a lot. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I don't sit still very well. Um, or uh, just the people around me like you. And everybody that I try to surround myself who know a little bit more than me and who are a little bit better at things than me and want to make a difference in the world. So I'm loving that you're doing this podcast. (laughs) So cool. Social workers rise. TM, right? Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. And I completely agree because there is a certain, I don't know if it's a spark or just people's values that I see in people and I tell them, you're probably would make a great social worker <laughs> because it's that you don't see a lot of compassion. You don't see who people who genuinely care about the well-being of other people very often. Mm. And I make sure to point that out to them and at least let them know it's an option because mm-hmm. it's not a very well-known option. No. And I try to talk to people who aren't in social work schools. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize that my bachelor's was perfect for this work because it didn't have the word social work in it, mm-hmm. but it was a great base for it. Yeah. That's amazing. So what are you doing now for work? Well, so my, my job is I investigate elder abuse. And I go see people in situation. So I go see people in homes. I see them in hospitals. I see them if they're homeless in the community and um, try to help them with whatever resources I can. Uh, I've learned along the way that I'm not quite sure I'm great at staying along with the same people and helping someone for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I get this feeling that if I'm with them for a long time, I should have already fixed them. And even though that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. I still acknowledge that that's sometimes how I feel. So just being able to understand what I'm internalizing there. And so I like this sweet spot where it's it's not quite hospital, you know, they're in and they go. I get to see people in their actual living environment, see what their needs are. Um, they may not even realize what their needs are, but my trained eye can see things. Mm-hmm. So it really uses my strengths. And I, I love... I love being able to help people, um, especially vulnerable people. So being able to go out to them instead of them having to come to me, it's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's emotionally hard. And, and when you, when you study abuse and violence and, and you hear people's stories every day, it it does weigh on you. But I also do get to see healthy family dynamics. I get to see healthy aging. Mm-hmm. You know, 90-year-olds telling you the secret to life is butter, wine, bacon, you know, you name it, <laughs> laughter. They all have some sort of secret to life. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do for my job. And then I also, um, I get that piece of that individual helping and being able to link people um, to something that's going to continue on and help them grow as a person or get them what they need mm-hmm. and then I back out right um so that's that's what I do so can I ask yes. when you when you go out and meet them what are you looking for like what are you assessing well it depends what the 
concerns are that I'm, I'm looking for. Usually I have some sort of concern to start with, but I really am just looking for, um, traits of the person, a building rapport. Okay. You know, that's incredibly important to build trust and rapport. Otherwise, why would this person let me in their house <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to ask them personal questions? Right. <laughs> so, um, I study as much as I can about building that trust and rapport immediately with somebody so that they can then share with me their more intimate details. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not going to be as effective with them. What would be your first tip? of building rapport like what's the basics that people need to know well (laughs) sometimes I'll use I'll I'll say like anecdotes like I I wear a shade of lipstick that's considered to be a trustworthy shade of lipstick really yeah (laughs) what shade is that (laughs) patina by Stila (laughs) (laughs) no there's just there's there's lots of research on people's biases, their cognitive biases, a lot of things that the business community uses in sales. And so I like to study those. I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's good to pick up those tips and tricks, um, nodding imperceptively when they're talking to me to get them to be a little bit more positive <laughs> as we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm doing is nodding. <laughs> doing my job. (laughs) Um, and, and really just know them knowing that they're in control of the conversation and they need to be heard. And so making sure that I'm giving them proper feedback, you know, using a feedback loop, making sure that I'm summarizing what they're saying, basic motivational interview techniques. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how people just want to be heard. And that's on the side of, whether they're the vulnerable person or whether they're the person in the abusive side too. Oh, interesting. A lot of people just need to be heard. Mm. Um, and so, so, you know, being able to have that conversation, uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. um, he, he said, there's, there's a quote that I love and it was like to be present one-on-one with another person that's a gift, right? And and that's where you can truly show your respect for somebody else mm-hmm. when you're there with them, looking them in the eye, talking to them. And so I, I keep my notes to a minimum and then write later. <laughs> and, um, and I do jot things down. But being present with that person, that's going to enable me to then ask them the questions that I need to ask them mm-hmm. and help them appropriately. Otherwise... Why would they trust me? Who am I? Right? right. And there's so many different types of social workers. We're blessed. We both work in with older adults mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful community. And so there's a lot of different social workers and we all hold different roles and scopes. And so being able to educate an individual on that part that I'm there to help them with today and, and that little piece that I can give them. Mm-hmm. And I do like to give like a little piece of myself, right? And and, and take a little piece of them with me. So, um, not literally, but, you know, like, <laughs> I'd be stealing, but like, <laughs> in, in my heart. Right, right. And that's part of that, that's part of that compassion that you were speaking of. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important that we cultivate that in our social workers. Some of us have maybe um, are a little more adept to it uh, because of former experiences in life or just understanding their privilege or, or where they're coming from. 
Um, and for others, it just needs to be uh, something that's cultivated in them. But the worst thing is to like blow that light out with burnout, right? Right. And so we all experience that at some point. Um, and part of our education, which we're lucky to have with this master's, is how not to burn out. Where, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this um, when I talk about technology because I love that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of people uh, in the technology field, like content managers, where they have zero education, maybe a video on how to deal with trauma, and then they sit there and watch traumatic videos, right? Oh, wow. So so that's that's an environment where, fortunately, in our education, we are trained how to deal with dealing with other people's trauma Mm -hmm. and and I'm so grateful for my masters for that Mm -hmm. yeah trauma is definitely a really really big topic it impacts a lot of people I think the latest statistic I saw was three out of five people Americans have Mm -hmm. experienced trauma and we don't talk about it most people don't know what it is they think PTSD Um, But we're going to talk more about trauma on this podcast in the shows coming up because it's an area that I'm really passionate about and interested in and learning more about. And it's interesting that it's relatively new to me because I just graduated in 2015 and I don't remember too much (laughs) talk about trauma. Like there was a little bit, but nothing like you could do a whole class on it. Absolutely. You know, it's easy. Um, well, it wouldn't be easy, but there's so much information out there. So we'll talk about that too. Um, how do you manage burnout or, or don't, I don't manage out. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't manage it. Avoidance. No. <laughs> That's a coping mechanism. It is. It is. Maybe not the best. Right. <laughs> how how I manage burnout it's it's you know it's fluid so there are definitely weeks and months where I'm feeling much more burnout whether it's compassion compassionate burnout or the burnout of of um trying to do too much at once I mean there's a lot there's different kinds but um I try to have trusted individuals around me that recognize it Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not being um acting like myself maybe or maybe seem a little bit more subdued I, I can, uh, people who are close to me, they can tell like in my body if I'm feeling just kind of overly like down. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to comedy in my car because I see people in, in my, in my daily work, I see people and then I get back in my car. I try to make my car my safe space. Okay. <laughs> so, so, um, I have, I have like stickers in my car and, and badges of, you know, awesome, like gender equity things and women in tech stuff (laughs) and a little Mr. Rogers in the corner that I can see. And, um, because I, I like that, you know, his rules were always be kind, right? Like Mm -hmm. number one rule. Um, and so, uh, I, I just try to immerse myself with things that bring me joy, people who bring me joy. And because I love doing the work of being, um, a social worker in person, I also do all of this advocacy and leadership and, um, and, uh, immerse myself in environments that aren't social work too, being the social worker at that table. And that gives me balance so I can do macro social work and, and micro, if you Mm -hmm. want to say, (laughs) and, 
And I think that one without the other, that I would not be a complete person. So that's how I manage burnout. Mm -hmm. And then I'll straight up like binge something on Netflix that makes me cry (laughs) (laughs) and have a good cry. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I wrote, I watched the new RuPaul, uh, show. I haven't seen it. AJ and something. I forgot what it's called. (laughs) But, oh, I cried and I loved it. Um, I cried at the end of The Good Place, A1, like, show. Um, I I love that show. Uh, If you haven't watched The Good Place, do it. Um, It's it's all about, you know, philosophy in a very easily digestible way through comedy. And, um, And I really enjoy that. So that's, that's pretty much what I do. It's not perfect. I, we were talking before Catherine that some of us are really great at self-care and some of us aren't good at it at all. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of work to even be like mindful and present and understand that you are feeling something. Mm -hmm. And so for those of us who are more disconnected, I have to rely on external people who I trust and also, um, kind of go back to a checklist sometimes like did I brush my teeth today Mm, (laughs) you know am I starting to skip those things that are good for me Mm -hmm. to go do something else so it's it's a it's it's hard yeah (laughs) it's not my strength right so and it is interesting how a lot of times people that are close to us notice those changes before we do Mm -hmm. yeah I know for me my husband will be the first one to point it out and say, you've been acting a little bit different. You've been a little bit more short than normal and maybe a little bit more snippy than normal. <laughs> yeah. And you haven't been as happy. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, it's because of this, this, and that. And then I have to check myself and say, oh, yeah, maybe there's some truth to this. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a tough one to swallow. But when it comes from somebody who you trust, then, then yeah. you know that it's with love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Uh, for me, my husband and my friends, um, they, that, that was a perfect way of putting it. Just like a little less happy Mm -hmm. because you're kind of a bouncy person like I am. And we're in our joy when we're advocating and giving and building something and creating. Mm -hmm. And when that's a little subdued, you know, people can tell. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned that you serve on boards, interdisciplinary teams. I know that you work in technology. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So um, going back to what I did before I was a social worker, I started as part-time reception for a company and ended up doing local IT for them. I had a little training business of my own where I taught real estate agents how to use their technology. Wow. Yeah. And, and I loved that because, um, because I would, I would show them how to do something that was very meaningful to them. And they call me back, you know, days later and they'd say, Oh, I sent an email, right. (laughs) Or, or or I finally got this in Excel, just really dependent on where they were and what they wanted to learn. But I loved that individual attention I could give to them. Mm -hmm. And so I love training people in their tech. I loved how tech worked. I mean, the first computer I had, I deleted half my hard drive and had my boyfriend at the time fix it, right? Oh <laughs> so, my gosh. So, I mean, <laughs> I was very much somebody who experimented with things, sometimes breaking them, but like I said, all in. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> I learned how things worked. Um, 
Richard Feynman, who's, uh, who is a Nobel Prize winning physicist, he wrote a book about, about like, um, taking things apart and really being interested in how they work. And the first time that you do that, you put a lot of effort into it. But the next person who asks you about it, you can tell them the answer pretty easily and pretty soon you become an expert in it. <laughs> that makes sense. So, um, so that's, uh, that, that's something I like to think about where when I put my all into something and learn as much as I can about it, then for the next person it just comes out really easily. But there's actually been a lot of work and study into really drilling down into something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the other side of it is when, when do you call yourself an expert in something, right? Like I'll talk about being a hoarding expert and understanding people's executive dysfunctions for that. Um, and, and, the behaviors, but I'm like, I'm no expert compared to this person, right? And there is a wonderful little class I took, and the teacher said, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know a little bit more than the person that you're talking to. And so I really try to keep that mindset Mm -hmm. so that maybe I just know a little bit more than the person I'm trying to help or teach, and that's something that I can give them. But you know, I'll never be an expert in everything. And I just, there's so much to learn and so much to experience in this world. I would venture to say that if you consider yourself an expert, you're an expert (laughs) because there's, okay, I'm an expert. Yeah. There's no standard. Like, you know, more than the typical person who's to argue that you're not an expert. Well, thank you. Okay. (laughs) I guess I got to a point where I was just like, I can, I can consider myself an expert in that as far as being able to educate other people. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's a tough moniker to put on yourself. It it came from a lot of people before I accepted it myself. Yeah. And, and it just gives me drive to learn even more about that subject so I can (laughs) meet the standards of, of what I think people expect of me when, (laughs) when you call yourself an expert. Makes you an expert. (laughs) Well, there you go. Because Self-fulfilling all, prophecy. Exactly. All of the experts that we know right now, they don't know everything about their topic. They're continuing to learn about it. Yes. And I wouldn't trust anybody who said that they did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's going to change tomorrow when we have new tech coming out. Right. And, and speaking of technology, so one of the other things that I do as a social worker I, I co-chair a technology council for National Association of Social Workers in California. And this tech council started because we realized the need for addressing technology in social work, like how it's used as social workers, but also how technology was progressing without us and how, um, you know, there's been so many ethical things that we've seen in the news recently, right? Like Cambridge Analytica, how people are using our data, um, is tech even useful to the people it needs to be useful to? Um, is it all just white males? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or do the people making the tech and informing on the tech look like the people who are going to be using it and who need it? So, um, and thankfully, this is such a bigger conversation now than it was years ago. I'm so grateful for that. So as, as co-chair, my other co-chair is Ruby Gowen. And she's an amazing social worker. I work with older adults and mm-hmm. and, um, and mental health. And she she works, um, she's an expert in children's. So uh, we're kind of like birth to death. Right, <laughs> right? yeah. And so we, we come at that being able to um, 
we've only been doing this for a couple of years. I mean, being in these, in these circles for a long time, but as co-chairs for this council, it's more, a little bit more formalized where we want to be that the social worker, we want to make sure social workers are at the table. We want to make sure that social workers are in the creative process in the Mm -hmm. business process at every stage of technology. And a lot of social workers, unfortunately, you know, in our education and, and, and in our work, um, we're not really sometimes like tech focused, right? Or what is that? What does that even mean? Um, there's definitely some fear Mm -hmm. in adopting new things. Um, and, but then we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are social workers too, and, and really want to and invest their time and their knowledge in building something. We want to make sure that all of these types of social workers are, are part of the conversation and supported by NASW. Um, but the other thing is that doing a lot of outreach to the tech community and saying, you know, who's, who's informing on your ethics, right? Who's having this conversation about equity and diversity mm. or including women in tech. There's a lot of women in technology organizations. Um, Anita Borg is one that, um, is, is active here in Southern California, but there's many others and they're doing wonderful things to promote diversity and equity in technology. Um, and so we want to support those organizations and be part of it and work with them and just come to the table and do the hard questions, right? Yeah. Like, um, like talking to a developer and saying, well, have you thought about this? Or um, what are the unintended consequences if you put this on the market? You know, it's not just about litigious risk, mm-hmm. right? It's about so much more. Um, in technology, they would often have people who are super users come in and test things, mm-hmm. even with the older adult section, right? So you mm. get like the super healthy older adult who would come in and test things. But those aren't the people who are in their homes, socially isolated, who are going to use the technology. Mm-hmm. And so Ruby and I, we have that gift of being in people's homes and in their lives and being able to see what actually gets utilized. What are those barriers where something is made and developed and doesn't, isn't picked up or doesn't get to the right people or do the right thing for them? Mm. So we want to make sure that we can have those conversations in, um, with technology and, and business and governments and agencies and everybody, mm. and um, as well as su- making sure that there's a social worker at that table. So that's one of the things we do. We're like... Oh, you have a committee? Where's your social worker? Okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> and either we'll fill in and then fill in another social worker there. Or we'll or we'll we'll say, let's make sure that next time you have a social worker as part of this this conference or this community mm-hmm. so that we we can help be at that table. So do you find them or do they find you? Both. Both. Okay. I mean I'm I'm really lucky that I have such a wonderful partner and co chair in my tech council. Uh she she has very good relationships with people and when she speaks it's very profound Mm -hmm. and people listen and so um people do seek her um as well as sometimes like like i said on the local level just or or local to international level right Mm -hmm. just making sure that we're represented as social workers it doesn't have to be us Mm -hmm. but we have to have social workers in the conversation so, um, 
it's a combination. Yeah. It's a combination of both. But the most important thing, I think, is that uh, I don't think I'm as profound as her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning from her. I'm very lucky to have Mm -hmm. her as a mentor in my life. Um, And she actually brought me to the tech council. We had a great conversation for like an hour in a hallway at an NASW function. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And, And we're like, okay. Let's do this, and mm-hmm. and it's been an amazing experience. Like two women with, um, two women from CSU Long Beach, yeah, right, like taking on the world, <laughs> and being able to accomplish some things with grassroots methods, that large, you know, uh, the tops of organizations and boards may not be able to come together at something, mm-hmm. but we can come together on the local level and build up from there. Right. Do you have any success stories that you could share? I, uh, yeah. So. So, um, one of them is that we like to work with the United Nations Association for the Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. That was aligned with social work goals, right? Mm-hmm. And our grand challenges in social work. So, gender equity, good health, um, strong institutions. There's 17 different sustainable development goals. So we like to work with that organization and see how we can use that framework and those goals to inform our social work and the work that we do. So we'll partner sometimes with them for for events and support wherever we can. Um, We put on a hackathon, a child abuse hackathon, and it was a, a hackathon that was hosted by social workers instead of social workers being invited to a hackathon right. that a you know a business or a tech company was was running and so we had hacker earth helping us and we had um we had a great turnout we had people who uh were from the tech community from the social work community coming together and talking about um different different projects that they wanted to do to help reduce child abuse Mm. and um oftentimes with hackathons which which the hackathon environment is basically a brainstorming environment where usually for a specific amount of time like maybe a weekend or a day everybody comes together to build something whether it's an application or an actual like product you get your designers, you get your developers, um, your programmers, and uh, the, the subject matter experts. And everybody informs each other to build something that's robust and good. Mm-hmm. And so I love the brainstorming aspects of this and creating something in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But then things just kind of fizzle there. So it's really nice to, to see when people continue with their work after a hackathon. Um, and incubators do that. You know, we're working on having an incubator for social workers. And What's an incubator? An incubator is an environment where, um, uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, an incubator is an environment where normally in, in the tech community that you have developers who are starting with an idea or they're starting in their work. And you incubate them just like you would incubate eggs for to like grow a chick, okay. right? And so you give them all of the resources, the tools, the expertise that they need in this nurturing environment, mm-hmm. so that they can build something that's good. That that's wow. the basic gist of it. Okay. I hope I, I hope I mean no disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> if 
if I explain that wrong. Um, and, and sometimes incubators take a portion of profit. Sometimes they don't. There's a lot of them being set up on, on different college campuses. I, the tech community has them. They're all over the place. But I like that. I like that idea of foster, uh, that fostering, nurturing environment yeah. to create something. And so, um, if, if social workers want to build something, we want to bring them to that environment too, where they can, you know, we don't have to, there's this, there's this misunderstanding that if we want to build like an application or something using our knowledge Mm -hmm. that we have to be able to program it or that, you know, uh, in our, in our schooling, we're often taught, well, you know, if you want to work for yourself, start a nonprofit Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, become a therapist right it's less about the entrepreneurism and starting your own company and starting Mm -hmm. your own brand of things with that social work ethical lens Mm -hmm. so we're really trying to encourage that so for our social workers who want to build and have this knowledge and the ethics we want them at the forefront controlling the environment owning that company yeah right so that's one of the things that we really want to foster um we've had successes where I'm, I'm a bit of a success story where I didn't go to a hackathon until, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago. And Ruby, thankfully, she's like, go to that environment. You'll really enjoy it. And I was like, I don't know. You know, I do have some sort of tech background, but I'm not a programmer. And, um, and I was like, I don't know if I belong there. And I went and I totally belong there. Mm-hmm. And you have th- the developers, the designers, they have that technical knowledge, but they don't have that expertise either in the environment or understanding the systems that create something. Right. And they desperately, if they're going to be volunteering their time outside of work, that's because they want to build something that's actually going to work. Mm-hmm. So they desperately want us at the table. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't know it, yeah. <laughs> but, but they... They really do want us. And and so the more social workers that go into like those kind of brainstorming and hackathon environments, we can actually shape things that are being made just by showing up and saying we're here and mm-hmm. sharing our expertise. Yeah, which Otherwise, is so important because we yeah. are the experts mm-hmm. on the populations that we work with. We're the experts in mental health. We're the experts in human behavior. We're the experts in how people live in um in everything everything that we do we're the experts they are the experts in tech they don't know everything we don't know everything but we are both the experts in it right yeah and that's so important because i hear a lot of complaints about oh they made this technology and and i i'll be honest i've even said it like whoever made this phone for seniors obviously has never met a senior because <laughs> I don't it's know true. any senior that could use it. <laughs> it's true. And even, you know, there's there's these little things where I went to an Alexa hackathon and I was talking to the, to one of the, the Amazon employees and I said, you can't have something that uses this tone. Seniors can't hear it. Right. And and so the fact that even there's like sound frequencies that seniors can't hear very well mm-hmm. or certain touch screens won't recognize a senior's fingers because of the moisture content in okay. it. So you'll see like a senior like swiping and yes. swiping and then you'll see like their family member saying like, well, you just swipe it. Right. right. And they, they're doing <laughs> it. Right. It's just that for for physical reasons it doesn't work for them. Right. Or the, or the user, user experience, user interface, UX, UI 
is completely off of the intended. It doesn't work for the intended uh, person. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some companies that are doing great things. And I think that there's been some really big wake up calls after years of funding things that don't make it to market mm-hmm. or do not do well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so you're absolutely right. And I love having those conversations. Like I said, with in those multidisciplinary environments where you have the economist, right? You have, you have the business person. We're all being able to use our strengths to, to question something. And there's a vulnerability in that group. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about support groups as social workers, right? And they're incredible and we need them. But this is essence a support group for our communities in a way mm-hmm. we're, we're building something for them. And in doing so we're vulnerable with each other and getting that, you know, community experience as part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice. Sometimes we don't get that always in our work environments. And so to get that in a volunteering environment is super fun and right. creative. Yeah. And, and, um, I think that there's just, um, Sometimes, you know, talking about artificial intelligence or, you know, people think it's all about math, you know, but there's so many different ways to program where you don't even need to know how to like add. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so there's, there's ways to build things, um, that you don't have to know how to program in order mm-hmm. to build an application that'll work. Right. But, but there's a lot of fear about, I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, maybe I need a whole new degree. So, uh, that's not the case. Right. And we all have to learn from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even, uh, you know, little Google apps for your phone that, that will teach you business skills and teach you programming skills. And so it's a nice little place to start. Um, I think that in the tech environment, there's just simply a shared language. And if we're going to have cultural competence as social workers, we could have that cultural competence by being able to speak the same language as the people who create the tech. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, is us being able to communicate on the same, you know, level and with the same language. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stereotypes about like, you know, the IT person being rude and like, let me do it, you know, <laughs> and, and then like social workers saying like, you know, tell me about your feelings. What does good look like? And, and, you know, but that's not the reality of either side. So if we can come together with a shared framework, we're golden. Mm-hmm. And the sustainable development goals is a framework that we can all use with governments, agencies, businesses, um, individuals to all do our part to, to meet bigger goals. Um, there's lots of different language frameworks that we can use. And I think that that's kind of a cultural competence for us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> my soapbox. So what would you say to social workers who are listening right now that are like, yes, Krista, I want to do that. I must get involved. What do we tell them? Yay. Let your light shine. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud you. Okay. Um, I would, I would say that for social workers, there's the grand challenges in technology. We're trying to have a conversation there. Some really good research is being done in, in academia there. Um, and good work for social workers in technology. Um, just uh, finding a hackathon near you. You could go on Eventbrite and look up hackathon or, or talk to any of us who 
do um, social work tech online, you can find us on LinkedIn or, you know, come ask me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I come to the National Association of Social Work, I, uh, our technology council, and, and ask. Um, and, and I would say then just find something local that's doing anything with technology and show up and say, I'm a social worker. I know this. How can I help? And, um, especially in those brainstorming environments, like a hackathon, I know, I know it's kind of scary to have the word hack, but you don't have to hack things and it's not, it's not for nefarious purposes, but just going to a local hackathon near you, if, if there is one, um, and showing up with your social work hat on my, my subject matter expert hat on Mm -hmm. and finding out what people are doing and then using our skills to, to support and to question some of the best conversations I've had where somebody tells me their idea for something and I'm like, that is a fantastic idea. We need that. What about this? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not being specific because I don't want to give away like other people's ideas, sure. but I've had, I, I've had conversations recently about applications uh, to reduce financial abuse. And so then I talk about like, well, if you make this decision, how is that going to impact this population? Mm -hmm. And, you know, those mind blowing conversations. And then I'm like, I want world peace. And a developer says, I have this app and we we have this great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, that, that's where the magic happens. I always feel magic always magic. I, I, I sit on different boards. I love being in those environments where I can help build programming to help people. Mm-hmm. But I always think that the magic happens like in the parking lot conversation after, mm-hmm. right? Or or just coming, um, finding something in common with somebody and realizing that you want to build something together. Unfortunately, in our communities, we're very siloed. I know you're going to talk about that a lot in this podcast, yes. which I love because it's <laughs> a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Me too. Um, I'm like, we all need to come together and communicate. Um, and that's, that's one of those pieces that I can just say, don't be afraid of technology. Uh, we all use it in different ways, right? It's not just a mobile application. That's not the only thing tech is. Um, and we're going into these things where, you know, actual like um, senior living environments are voice activated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, IoT is in uh, the Internet of Things is in people's homes. We have smart refrigerators mm-hmm. where really smart teenagers who are ambitious can get on Facebook through their fridge. <laughs> I saw that on Reddit and I thought that was fantastic. Like this teenager got her phone taken away from her. And in some ways we have to be that teenager. We have to be inquisitive Mm -hmm. and figure out like, oh, how do I use this piece to do this? Mm -hmm. Um, How do I use my fridge to get on Facebook (laughs) or Instagram? But, but it's that, it's that inquisitiveness um, and not being afraid of, of the tech community, um, you know, thinking that maybe we don't belong Mm -hmm. we absolutely do belong right and in fact we're an incredibly important part of them being successful i i went to a um i like to go to a lot of different conferences and learn a lot of different things Uh, i'm a generalist like i said so i went to mobile world congress which is the the basically anything cell phone okay for the entire world and so I went to, I go to that conference every year at Staples Center. Um, thanks, thanks, Anita Borg. <laughs> um, and 
or anitab.org. Go look it up. It's great. <laughs> I, I go to that conference and um, I have wonderful conversations with people there who, who work in tech and in mobile. And um, I, I had a point and I forgot what it was. Oh, shoot. Eh. Well, even, even that conference uses the sustainable development goals as, as their framework, mm-hmm. their, their big association. Um, and, um, shoot, I lost it. <laughs> I'll get it back. Yeah. It'll if come not, back. If not this podcast. <laughs> right. There was, there was a reason why I said it. Um, <laughs> let's go back off this topic and I'll remember. <laughs> Okay, so we were talking about generally how people can get involved. I just want to say I am a firm believer that social workers have the answers that we need to cure all of these problems that we hear about in the news and with politics and um, all these, all of the problems because we are there. We're already there. We're already working on them. We're already making an impact in the lives of people. It's just the society in general doesn't know our worth and doesn't know our value. Mm -hmm. I mean, like every day I say, Oh, I'm a social worker. Oh, you work with CPS? (laughs) No, (laughs) no. And so how do we increase that awareness of the general population? Like, Oh, we need social workers to be at this, at this tech conference at this hackathon. So, um, just an area to kind of work on because I know that I know that we have the expertise and I know that social workers have a lot of ideas and a lot of business plans that they just don't know where to go or how to get started. Yes. And, and, um, I think that we, we just need to advocate for ourselves more. We're great at advocating for other people. (laughs) We need to advocate for ourselves and our worth and, and advocating that we do need to be part of that conversation. And sometimes even in like agencies filled with social workers, when you get into the top management, maybe they're making decisions that aren't including social workers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had an experience um, in Los Angeles where data scientists from all over the world came in to talk about homelessness. And so to complement all of these data scientists that do large national projects, they had local experts in homelessness and people who worked with the homeless come in and do like this kind of brainstorming conversation about design, um, financial realities. And the feedback I heard afterwards was that those data scientists were blown away by hearing the contextual conversation Mm -hmm. that we can bring to that table because we're the people who are actually working in those communities Mm -hmm. and so to hear that feedback that we we need both sides of it but we need both sides being at the table and hearing each other to have that full rich context for sure right and and social workers are really good at that and we're great at having conversations building trust and rapport right (laughs) so so if these are our skills then we need to then we need to have those one-on-one conversations with people that's how the world changes right Mm -hmm. at the at the dinner table yep that's how social worker how social work was built and created by Jane Addams um Jane Addams right yes okay thank goodness (laughs) I was like oh no (laughs) like I'm remembering that right Um, (laughs) 
And, and then if your, if your sweet spot is policy, bringing that to the table, mm-hmm. you know, um, that the ability to understand how systems truly impact our environment. We were talking earlier off the podcast, sorry guys, <laughs> <laughs> about, about like our legal system and how there's, you know, dual systems and, mm-hmm. and talking about how, um, when you, when you don't have to think about like your privilege, right? Then you have privilege. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not constantly immersed in something and mm-hmm. you can actually stop thinking about that for a bit, then chances are you're privileged in it. Um, and, and you know, that idea of bootstrapping where it's, it's personalizing it on, on the person instead of the systems. Mm-hmm. So if your knowledge is how all of the systems work and how human behavior works, bring that to the table, right? Or maybe you're just really super good at laying something out so that it's easily understandable. That is UX UI and very lucrative Mm -hmm. in tech to be able to know how to deliver information to somebody easily. These are all skills that we have. And whether it's in tech or business or government, um, we need to be using them. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we kind of take them for granted because we work a lot of social workers work with social workers. Mm-hmm. So maybe we take it for granted and think, oh, all my other social worker people can do this too. It's not really a special thing. When in fact, when you look at the general population, it is. <laughs> it's very special. I mean, the True. fact to have empathy, to be willing to help people, to be selfless, to be able to pick up on those nonverbal cues of communication all of these things I've, it was funny or interesting because my husband's a realtor and sometimes I would go with him to realtor meetings mm-hmm. and I pick up on all of these cues that people are just giving out and they are just like oblivious. Right. To. It's like Wonder Woman. They're like a cue and you're like, no. Yeah. It's like deflecting. <laughs> yes. All of these things. And it's almost, honestly just. I consider it basic communication skills, but mm-hmm. it's not basic because I have a master's degree in these things and, you know, all of this training. So I take it for granted, these communication skills and being able to read people and their mood and their body language and their facial expressions, all of these things. But it's really a gift. I mean, that's essentially being able to see what people are thinking and how people are feeling. And if I was a business person, oh my gosh, trying to do a business deal, that would be priceless. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, real estate meetings. That brings back memories. <laughs> um, agreed. I think it is something special that we have, whether it's cultivated or part of it comes from just like naturally personality based. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is something very special, but we do take it for granted in our own environments for sure. And one of the things that amazes me about people, which is why I studied social behavior, because people are fascinating, right? Um, is, is they, they'll say, someone will say something and the other person will completely not hear the words that they used and words have power. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, sometimes as like a mediator or sitting in a conversation, you're like, that person just said what they want and you're just like well this is what I heard right Right. it's like something completely different Mm -hmm. um and being able to drill down so that people are uh, are understanding each other it's it's priceless yes 
And unfortunately, I think that we need more of those skills in our legislature. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Timely, timely for right now. Um, You know, I... That, that ethical lens, that ability to understand people's needs. Um, the ability to have ethics? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, to, and to have that cultivated. That's something that we talk about constantly in social work is our ethics. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have. We talk about our code of ethics. I mean, our code of ethics even says voting and advocacy, it's part of our ethical code. So everybody mm-hmm. vote, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Preaching and choir, I'm sure. But... But, you know, these are all part of our ethics that are drilled into us. And in other environments, it's completely lacking. Mm-hmm. So however we can build that in and, and have accountability there, too. Mm-hmm. We need to do that. I had a super fun time with you at the Women's March in Orange County. Oh, good. I had so much fun with you, too. It was. Yes, that, sorry, we got cut off for a second, but that Women's March was so much fun. I loved that the people were so creative there. I mean, like, they had just their, like, signs and the energy and people showing love to the social workers. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Me too. Me too. All the social workers coming up and talking to us, saying, I'm a social worker too. Um, I learned so much from that march. I learned from people's signs what was going on that I didn't even know what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like that pictures were being censored international archives and I'd see a sign and I'm like, is that what's going on this week? And go look it up. So just a wonderful group of people just trying to change the world. It yeah. Was wonderful. Yeah. A lot of fun. It was great. Yay. <laughs> that was a good time. Yeah. Do you remember what you're going to say about the, the women in tech? Oh, the Mobile World Congress. Yeah. Yes. So, so what I thank you. For, I, what I wanted to say about that was at at that at a, at that event, um, one of the speakers was really highlighting that our workforce used to be about our handiwork and what we could do with our bodies and with our hands, and then it became more knowledge based. And, and, you know, what we could build and create with our knowledge. But with artificial intelligence and machine learning being, you know, what it is, the workforce in the next 20 years, a a big part of that in in tech is going to be coming from the heart, right? Mm. Not from the hands, not from the brain, but from the heart. Uh, Our social work skills are perfect for that. Being able to do human um human centered design uh user experience user interface our our skills of being able to um to bring a person through a learning experience and and create an experience for them um i don't really like the word but like our soft skills mm-hmm. this is what's going to be really well respected and well paid for in the tech community in the next 20 years so um so we're ready for that. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's so amazing because in healthcare, it's projected that there will be an 18 or 17% growth for social workers specifically. And then within the mental health and addictions, there's going to be the 18% growth in the next 10 years. So that's huge. A great opportunity for social workers to really show their worth, to show their skills, which means we have to show up 
and make sure that we're getting the pay that we deserve, making sure that we're getting the benefits that we need, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can fully be there for the people who need us. Absolutely. And also working on our social curriculum. There's a lot of great work on being an entrepreneur, being added to our our curriculum and our classes um, in our social work schools, uh, curriculum about uh, human ethics in technology. And so we also will be growing our workforce that way and educating them to, you know, not just be, um, you know, a therapist or start a nonprofit or any of those things, but, but which, which are all valid and wonderful things. But, but to also be an entrepreneur, to work in business, and not necessarily work for somebody who's creating something, but actually be the creator of it and hire people to create it for you, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of a social worker going to work for a tech business, social worker own the tech business yes. and hire the developers, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we have those opportunities, and we really want to um, make make our education and make our experiences as social workers very rich. Definitely. For the newer generations. Definitely. So how can people contact you or get involved with the tech um, part of NISW? Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, uh, we do have a website, our tech council. It's N-E-S-W-C-A-T-E-C-H dot org. N-E-S-W California Tech. Um, you can, uh, we have like, a, uh, you can put in your name and email address and we'll send you some information. Uh, our contact information is on that website as well. And you can contact myself or my co-chair or any one of our social workers who are working in technology. We have the grand challenges in technology, um, and, and lots of different efforts all across the country that we're bringing together so we can, we can do good. So, um, please feel free to reach out if you have questions or ideas, and most importantly, show up in your local tech community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Krista. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank I you. I really appreciate you and all that you're doing for social work. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate you. Thank you for having this wonderful platform for social workers to discuss our value and how different all of our, our experiences are but how we all come together in that part of us that we want to have our light shine and and advocate and do good things. Definitely, definitely. And we each have our special talents and our own ideas and our own dreams. And I'm a firm believer that your dreams are your dreams and you are the only one that can make them come true. So do whatever it is that you must do because the world needs you. The world needs your talents. We need you. Thank you. I'm just going to play that 30 seconds over. Okay. (laughs) Put on repeat. Great. All right. Until next week. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved us, please give us five stars and write us a little review wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you find us and join our community. You can also stay connected through our Instagram at Social Workers Rise. If you want to be a guest on the show, go ahead and send me a message 
and we'll talk more. I'll see you next time.